Welcome everybody to Podcast of the Week for today, July 19th, 2019. Uh, Marvel rolls on, the MCU continues to exist. It's interesting to review these films in in the wake of ending the game because like there's the climactic conclusion to an entire film universe and the film universe keeps going within two months. It's it's a little jarring, but it's also interesting to see like this is just going to be the norm. They're going to keep making these Marvel films and they're keep going to layer them on top of each other until the end of time. And I think that's going to be pretty cool until they just hit like the big reset button in like 20 years when things kind of lose steam. But until then, there's still going to be Marvel films. This is Spider-Man Far From Home. I think I mix up Skull and Cree in this episode at one stage. Please don't eat me alive. Uh, Barry is back as always to talk about it. So here is our review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Welcome back to Podcast of the Week, film number 23 in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the official end of Phase 3, Endgame was not the end, this is, and the film that makes the title of Endgame a lie, Spider-Man Far From Home. Joining me as always to talk about it is Barry. Barry, it's still going. And out of interest, how do you feel watching this film after Endgame? After like the the culmination of the universe and then the universe still, is still going. Is there like the same level of investment for you? Uh, well, I feel like going in there wasn't, but I, I, afterwards I was pleasantly surprised and I was pleasantly raring to go, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, I think that's been a, a kind of a recurring thing as we've gone through the series is, is the the silliness of the way they break up these phases. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, like like the the with the first phase being this really perfectly. Um, paced out thing with the, with the obvious uh, conclusion and then everything since then has just kind of been a bit, a bit all over the shop but um, but in reality I mean who really cares because they don't even really use that terminology in, in any kind of like uh, in universe way it's pretty much just marketing speak so so eh what are you going to do? Yeah because the end of phase 2 was not uh, Age of Ultron it was Ant-Man <laughs> Yes of course that, that wonderfully climactic film Ant-Man also much like when uh, uh, wrestling, you know, tries to do season finales, quote unquote, there's no break between these movies. So it doesn't really matter what you call a phase and what you don't. It's like, oh, that's the end of that phase. I'll see you all again in like six months for the next one. It's like, it's not even that. Like Avengers Endgame was re-released in theaters the week before Spider-Man Far From Home was out. Yeah, we could, we, we could, we could do a whole separate podcast about how absolutely desperately they want this, this, that movie to be the, the the highest grossing of all time like to the point it's kind of comical and they failed it it's it fell short even on re-release it fell short i think yeah yeah and that's and that's i i was see i was gung-ho about it i was like i'm not invested quote-unquote but if it, if it dethrones avatar i think that'll be good i think it's a set i think it's a generational movie and i think avatar as many people have pointed out did not leave the the cultural impact people thought it was but as people got more and more desperate and Marvel fans were convincing themselves to keep going to the damn movies to see this thing over and over again, I was like, all right, the the best conclusion to this will be this movie coming within like $5 of getting it and losing out. That will be the best conclusion. The closer it gets without overachieving uh, is, is, is going to be the best outcome. And that looks like that's what we got. Yeah, and the funny thing is Disney bought Fox. So Disney just own Avatar. Disney win either that's way. 
it's it's talk about like masturbatory. It's like God <laughs> Almighty. It's like how that's how that's how comically large the Disney organization is. It's having to like compete with itself to amuse itself. Mm. And now the what every they released the release schedule, and basically for the next six years, it's every Christmas it's Star Wars Avatar, Star Wars Avatar, isn't it? Uh yeah, I think so. I mean, if those Avatar movies ever happen, which they're not going to. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've been put off for so long at this stage, you know. But less about Avatar, more about Spider-Man: Far From Home, which is it's it is it's a sequel to Endgame. Like it's not just a follow-on; it is directly dealing with the effects of Endgame, which is the reason they had to kind of skirt around that in the first trailer. I'd be interested to watch that first trailer back, actually, to see is there any like hints dropped of Tony Stark being dead that they accidentally slipped in there. Yeah, I mean that that first trailer is such a. Um, I mean, the first trailer is kind of the perfect, uh, uh, you know, microcosm of the first part of this film. Mm. Because um, I remember watching that trailer and being like, "This looks extremely boring." I was like, "What? Wh- how on earth is this?" For- I mean, forget about following up Endgame. How does this follow up How Homecoming? I was like, "This looks mm-hmm. like this looks like uh, forgettable story DLC in a Spider-Man game." You know what I mean? It- it- it's like it, it seemed super uh, un- unremarkable, but uh, but yeah, uh, obviously. And then obviously, uh, equally bizarre though was like a week after Endgame came out when they put out that second trailer yeah. that was like, you know, that they prefaced with a spoiler warning. It's like, you know, you can just not put this trailer out for another few weeks. It's still, it's still Spider-Man. People are still going to be hyped. Uh, yeah. What a, what a, what an odd, uh, uh, you know, web, pun intended, that Disney weaves with their, with their bizarre spoiler culture and then segueing into that trailer. Hmm. As you said, this is, I, I think this is a good film. I don't love it. But it's really a film of two halves. When Jake Gyllenhaal properly shows up, this film becomes a tremendously fun film. And before that, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I, now I, I, I did love this movie as a whole when it's all said and done. But I, I, I was, um, yeah, up, up until the reveal, I, I was very much thinking it was that movie, the first trailer indicated, which is like, this is a functional movie as a superhero film the the drama of the superhero stuff is very dry it's very uninteresting but even before the big reveal i will say i i, I still just love the dynamic of young peter parker and his, his school friends um i think even before this film kicked into high gear it was really it was really doing well in that department um but yeah the second half is so strong that i was that i was i was buzzing coming out of this and it's so nice to see these films taken out of american cities <laughs> yes my god yeah um uh, some some fresh scenery uh, was was greatly appreciated. Not just I mean not just these Marvel movies. I mean the the, the the current superhero boom. It's nice to see them see any movie in this genre branch out a little bit. Yeah, just wander Venice and Prague for most of your film, and it's going to be a little more interesting to look at than New York for the one hundred and sixtieth time. Yeah, or or you know an approximation of New York yep. or. Like, or Ant Man in like San, the least remarkable film ever to be set in San Francisco in terms of mm-hmm. recognizing it as San Francisco. I believe there's hills in like one chase sequence. Um, yeah, this was this was really great, uh, and 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 kind of they they weaved the locations into you know the, the field trip nature of the movie is very fun, and and it, again makes these movies stand out a little bit more compared to every other superhero film. They've they've with this with this iteration of Spider Man, they have focused so much on that aspect of the character, and I think the locations tied into it really well here. One of my biggest critiques of like the MCU version of Peter Parker, 
was that like they were pushing him closer and closer to being like Iron Man. And that's the thing I didn't like as much about other films, but they actually paid it off in an interesting way here. Because then, when obviously Tony Stark is dead, if you if you haven't seen Endgame and you're listening to this review, I'm sorry. But <laughs> um, Tony Stark is dead, and Peter Parker then is like the natural follow-up. This is the, the pressure on him to fill those shoes because he was Tony Stark's apprentice. And I, I liked the way they took something I, I kind of didn't like in other films, and at least did something more interesting with it in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I I was with you on that. I I was uh, the direction I was very concerned about because I liked the dynamic between Tony and and, um, uh, and Peter, but but I I was concerned that they lead into just mess. I think they walked the line just perfectly. If I was to go one way or the other, I say they maybe leaned into it a bit too much in the in the home stretch mm. um, when we get the uh, the new suit. In this uh, in this movie, uh, the the obligatory new suit Spider Man has to have every time he's in any any motion picture. Um, you gotta for, sell the toys, Barry. Certainly, uh, toys and mobile skins. I mean, I mean, they, they, there's there's two new ones in this, and one of them is literally just for the climactic battle. I mean, it's hilarious. But that whole scene where he's forming that suit. I mean, again, it's not you know, it's not totally shallow. I mean, it has it, it was earned. But at the end of the day, it's like yeah, you're, you're you're milking the Iron Man stuff a little bit too much. But to be fair. This is the first movie after he died, so mm. on the one hand, you, you kind of have to. In a way, you kind of have to, don't you? You can't ignore it, no. And like, the, the sooner they get the specter of of Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark off of these films, I think the better. Like, the sooner they deal with it, put it in the back pocket, maybe dig it up in like I don't know, ten years with a Pepper Potts film or something when it feels new. But like, he's dead. It was a good moment in Endgame. Let's all let's all just collectively move on. Though it's interesting to see more of the uh, the people who would have been traditionally Iron Man guest characters kind of just shoveled over into Spider-Man. Obviously, John Favreau was the big one. But even like Colby Smulders and Nick Fury were generally like lumped toward Iron Man films. But now it's like, ah, you're Spider-Man now. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's kind of cool because, again, it kind of emphasizes the interconnectivity. Mm. Uh, uh, that shouldn't be reserved just for the ensemble um, pieces you gotta put nick fury somewhere yeah or you know someone alleging to be nick fury yes um yeah i I, before we kind of i kind of want to talk about that before we get into the other post-credit scene Mm -hmm. as as well as being a funny reveal i also thought that it 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 did kind of work within the story because i thought during the course of this movie i was like they're making nick fury look really stupid in this movie like, like fair enough you have your hero who's a little bit naive and maybe they take things for granted and especially a character like fury who thinks he knows everything that's fine but i'm like they're making him look so dumb yeah he's dumb in this movie and then so it was both a punchline and also kind of a satisfying little story nugget to have him reveal as a scroll in the in the end because he's literally he's like the incompetent he's kind of like the incompetent sidekick in this film because Peter Parker blows him off for most of the first half. Then he shows up and he's just like shoveled into the background. And basically, as you said, he's a punchline. But as it turns out, in the post credit scene, it was real that he was a, I want to say Cree. I don't want to mix up my Marvel alien races. I think it's Cree. He was a Cree all along. And Nick Fury's Wait. in space. Yeah, so that's 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 the bit I didn't quite get. But I guess that's a hook. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. point. Is I wasn't supposed to be immediately obvious. Is he like... I mean, the, the the early punchline was that he was retired, like on a beach. But then, but then I guess is he still retired? I mean, is 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 that you know is him in space his retirement? I don't know. Again, this is all stuff that that's 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 uh, to hook us in. I would imagine that's set up for the next Captain Marvel film. 
I guess, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, I guess he was. I mean, you talked about him typically being tied to kind of Iron Man and stuff like that. I guess that is the character that makes the most logical sense for him to to be prominently featured in going forward because he was such a part of that Captain Marvel, that first Captain Marvel film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of something they under promoted in the marketing is that that was kind of a buddy cop movie yeah. um, with Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, that was kind of a thing. So uh, yeah, I guess, I guess the next time they do a movie with, with her, it'll be, it'll be again, closely uh, with, with uh, uh, Nick Fury as a secondary character. Jake Gyllenhaal is the star of this film though. He sure is. And, and again, I, I think, I think most people had kind of twigged that, that, that the, uh, the twist was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you know your basic knowledge of the Mysterio character, uh, how dry the 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 kind of the, the threat in this movie seemed, and also if you're kind of looking at your watch halfway through the movie, like this is getting wrapped up very quickly. This just doesn't make sense. I can't envision the uh, the reveal scene with anyone else. I really can't. It's so it's so pitch perfect. I just love the idea of him playing just a fake superhero. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's like a meta commentary on superhero films. Like, within that character of, like, ah, oh, you just need to create a world-level threat, and then, boom, we have a new Iron Man. It's like, boom, new billion-dollar franchise. That's how easy it is to create Marvel movies, Barry. You just, you just, you just it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, but it works. It does work. <laughs> like, you look at the, like, absolutely insane success of uh, of Black Panther in particular, and it's just like, all right, mm-hmm. they just, they, they make it look easy. And then everyone tries to copy them and does a very bad job. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing, yeah. Uh, one thing though, the, the big reveal, the, the thing from the trailers people were very interested in was Mysterio claimed, and in this film he claims he's from the multiverse, he's from an alternate universe from theirs, and obviously the the rogue gets pulled out from under that. He turns out he's 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 faking it all along. But does that take the idea of a multiverse out? Are people going to be upset about that? Uh, I think yeah. I mean, people were ravenous for that, and I again, and I'm not I'm not you know claiming this is any kind of profound. Uh, uh, prediction, but I uh, saying it so plainly in the trailer that did make me think. Okay, that 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 there's no way that's true. There's mm-hmm. no way that's true. Um, but also they can just they can. I, I I to answer your question, I don't think it's off the table. I think I think it's absolutely something they're kind of going to have to come back to because as they as they run through storylines and characters and heroes. Um, but yeah, I think I think even though it was a fake out, I think it was a very intentional uh, very intentional mentioning of that concept. Because uh, I'm, I'm certain they're gonna they're gonna visit it at some point. Were you were you like me in that when people did start going crazy for the, at that the mention of that term that the rumor mill started going and they go, well, Tobey Maguire is definitely in this movie. He's definitely in this movie, and they're they're gonna have they're gonna have animated Miles Morales at some point, um, you know, pop out, and they're gonna do a crazy. I mean, this movie has some crazy scenes and it has some kind of trippy scenes, uh, but the, you know, the, some of the ideas floating around for how they were gonna implement the multiverse in this movie were were pretty hilarious. You know what I actually thought? I thought because I saw this film about three or four days after it released, so I heard hype about a very good poster end cre- or mid credit scene, which we'll talk about in a second. But I thought that the talk of the multiverse with talk of a very good mid credit scene was like in the same way Into the, Into the Spider-Verse had a an end credit scene where he went to see whatever, 20 future Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah. I thought that might have been in here. They might have done like the, the Into the Spider-Verse cameo in the end credit scene. Yeah, I, I was thinking that as well. Also, uh, I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast already. For like the third consecutive time, I worked myself into a shoot about an X-Men post credit scene. <laughs> like, I, I still think 
it's bull. I'm calling their bullshit because they they're like it's going to be five years before there's an X Men integration into the MCU. It's like you you got Spider Man rights and you made a film, shunted him into Civil War, made him a key player in, in Infinity War. It's like the idea that you can't put an X Men film into production like pretty quickly is absurd. The idea that these plans are so fixed. Yeah, they absolutely can. Yeah, and you, like you said, that's the perfect example. It's like, hey, when the Spider-Man deal got done, they made it work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the other talk about the multiverse was that's how they're going to explain the X-Men. That uh, they bring them in from a different alternate universe, and that's why we've gone 23 movies without even a hint of the X-Men existing. Yeah, that is that is the weird thing. As these movies um, uh, trek along and enter into the, the 20s, um, is the idea that these uh, these characters of equal or greater power than like Iron Man and Thor exist but we just kind of haven't crossed paths with them what's up with that at <laughs> least um, you know Wakanda's sealed away from the world and all of this stuff that's okay and Captain Marvel's not from this or planet and that's that's kind of okay I guess doesn't really make sense that Nick Fury wouldn't have mentioned her all those years ago but whatever now it's just like yeah especially if you have like because with X-Men specifically like there's such like that universe is so different from the Marvel universe because like the the they they obviously integrate the obvious racial undertones of those stories into those movies and the ideas of you know mutants being like hated and segregated and they go to special schools and there's you know uh, Congress debates the mutant issue and shit like that like yeah you can't kind of just have them oh well here's just the character Wolverine in our world it's like no he he brings baggage you get yeah it, it, the idea that you can just act like oh well he's always been around we've just never talked about it doesn't really work especially as Especially as like you had civil war there, where where it, the whole issue is like litigation of, of of superheroes and stuff like that. You know that's kind of the X Men thing, and yet yeah. the X Men never come up. You know, so yeah, I, I I do think that if they don't do a multiverse thing, it is going to be pretty tough to to segue those characters in. Um, but but as you mentioned with the Spider Man thing, they will find a way. I'm sure. Yeah, like you can't just do the like Doctor Strange thing where it's like, oh, he only gets his powers now. It's like you can't do that with Charles Xavier. <laughs> no, no, of course, yeah. I mean, I, I, unless you completely rewrite the character and, and change it, but I don't think anyone wants that. Yeah. I'm sure they'll change it to some extent, but you know, within reason. Let's talk about the mid-credit scene, Barry. Let's talk about the what? The mid-credit scene. Oh yes, yeah. I, I, literally slapped my thigh amusements <laughs> at the reveal. Of uh, of J. Jonah Jameson, not just J. Jonah Jameson. Also, J. Jonah Jameson played by J.K. Simmons. It's it's the only way the universe can be. It's yeah. It's like why why even bother trying to? Uh, there's tons of other great actors, I'm sure, who in a universe where we didn't have J.K. Simmons previously, I'm sure there could have been a great J. Jonah Jameson played by any number of other people. Unfortunately, we do not live in that universe. You cannot follow that performance, and it's such a it, it certainly seems from its its you know from this scene it's kind of going to be a bit it's going to be a bit player you know Spider Man ain't going to be working for him directly there aren't going to be five scenes with him in a movie like the like the Raimi ones so if you're just going to have him in this kind of context you might as well you might as well is he the first person to like go between universes and play the, I guess Lou Ferrigno technically but that barely counts. Uh, yeah, I, I I think so. Also, uh, Doctor Strange is referenced in the the uh, Raimi movies. 
So so fan so YouTube fucking uh, clickbait thumbnail <laughs> fan theorists can go crazy with this one. Um, I think it's the scene where he's coming up with a wacky name for Doc Ock, and he says Doctor Strange, and someone says it's taken. Mm. Uh, so there you go, confirmed, same universe, etc. <laughs> but also, so not just not only uh, you know J. Jonah Jameson, not only J. Jonah Jameson uh, portrayed by J.K. Simmons, but but uh, the I, I guess shades of the PS4 game, but they've gone with the straight up with the Alex Jones inspired version of Jameson, which I mean, I might be showing my ignorance. I, I said it to my, my roommate who I saw the movie with, because he played the, the game as well, and we love the game. Um, I assume because it's in the game, it's also in this movie. Is that what J. Jonah Jameson just is in the comics as well? I assume it's not a coincidence that both the movie and the game went in that direction. Yeah, I was thinking about this as well. I, I think it's less that the like they made a specific choice to make the character like that, and more, that's just how we see... Uh, fair enough, they use the word fake news. And when they when they do that, they're obviously trying to, to trigger yeah. something in your mind. But I think, in general, that character skews close to that, like, sort of spread misinformation about Spider-Man. If Spider-Man's a menace, he's conspiratorial about what Spider-Man... Who Spider-Man is and what his intentions are. Like, that's always been the character... And I think just putting that in the world in 2019 kind of naturally drags it toward what we see in the world right now, which is crazy lunatics spouting nonsense, most of which is untrue. Yeah, and and also I think prior to the, the credit scene, there was there was that there's an allusion to that in the big the, the climactic uh, Mysterio scene mm. where just what's he literally says people will believe anything these days. There was a very there was a very uh, kind of. In a fairly interesting way, uh, there was a very kind of fake newsy kind of uh, permutation to the Mysterio character uh, throughout. Yeah, there was a lot of perception and reality stuff that they're playing with. Yeah, including including uh, the big reveal scene, which we've talked about. Which you know, if you're not one, if you, I don't know who who could possibly be listening to this, they wouldn't know what we're talking about. But you know, <laughs> the scene where he, he drops the charade and, and reveals not only that it is a charade, but also why he's doing it. Uh, this whole idea that so much of Tony Stark's, uh, uh, you know, uh, stuff is kind of pilfered and you know un- underappreciated uh, hard workers underneath him, and uh, but his perception was that he was the boy genius and so on. Um, yeah, you know, that's that's uh, these movies don't have a ton of subtext generally, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shame. We we talked about Civil War there earlier. I mean. That that whole thing is so paltry compared to compared to like especially the first X Men movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's so it's you know again not that this is some kind of grandiose political satire for our era. It's not, um, but you know it's it's in there. It's got its little barbs, and I think they're they're decently well done. And it's it's you know again mildly interesting along with all the uh, typical superhero shenanigans. Also, the other half of that uh, mid credit scene, aside from the cameo sets up the sequel in that uh, Mysterio basically reveals who Spider-Man is and said he killed him on the bridge in London and it sets up like Spider-Man versus the world for the next Spider-Man film which I think is a pretty interesting direction it is it's it's super interesting and it's a great way I mean we talked about Gyllenhaal they they really did I can't remember the last character who was done so right by a movie as Mysterio in this one mm-hmm. I mean they did it level of justice that really exceeded my expectations because I didn't really think of Mysterio as a movie carrying villain. I really didn't. Um, and not only did they, they do that during the typical runtime beginning and end of the film, but with that post credit scene, they've they've kind of made him into one of Spider Man's great rivals in this universe by by creating this this ripple effect that obviously we'll see how, how it plays out. 
Um, but that's great. And it's like you and I talked about uh, how great Michael Keaton is yeah. in um, uh, Homecoming. I love that performance. I think that character is great. But I think they crafted this great character and then they just stuck some metal wings on him and called him Vulture. Yep. Right? Whereas, whereas, whereas this this is Mysterio. They made a Mysterio movie with a great Mysterio performance, a great Mysterio character portrayed by a fantastic actor. Um, and and they gave it more teeth than than I could have possibly imagined. I mean, it's that's kind of one of the more pleasant surprises of the whole movie is just how right and how significant they made that character. And they had a, a big like Mysterio fight scene at the end of basically the second act. Or Peter Parker is like running through a building, and the building is warping and changing. And this as Mysterio changes his perception of reality. It's really it's it's up there with like uh, the best stuff from Doctor Strange or like the small fight scenes from Ant Man. It's, it's really good stuff. It's great. I God, I love that. That's when the movie had already kicked up a gear for me at that point. I think once you're really off to the races, once you get the the, the Mysterio reveal, and so I was already well into. It, but God, that it's quite long as well. I mean, once that scene kicks off, it's it's really. Uh, it really gets going, but God, it's fantastic! It's a conceptually, it's really cool, and execution-wise, it's just fantastic. It's, um, I think that's why I part of why I was so high on it was this was a movie where I came out where I, I have particular scenes that are going to stick with me in in you know a couple of years when we're all recapping the MCU and all what you know what's what stands out to you. I mean, it's going to be up there as a, as a, as a specific scene that stands out. Uh, just so well done. Kind of reminded me uh, a little bit of, you know, again, really mind blowing at the time. The the uh, scarecrow sequences in the Batman mm. Arkham game. I mean, when when you know your your kind of reality was was was, was flipped and 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 uh, you know they really played with perception. Um, yeah, God, that that scene is great, and and it picks back up again in the finale, uh, which is really cool. Um, and also, yeah, a nice little uh, thread through this movie, something that I didn't even really think about in prior MCU Spider-Man appearances. They emphasize the the spider sense coming into its own as an ability, which is cool. Yeah, um, they, they, like because there's like bits and pieces. Because like you know, in Infinity War, they're they're on the bus and the the, the hairs on his arm the stand up when the the alien ship comes down, which I, I think is like a, a visual reflection of the spidey sense. But yeah, they, they they actually explained it slowly integrating and him like understanding what it is and how it works. Yeah, absolutely, and and um, and I, I thought this was the perfect movie to do that, especially in the in the grand finale because they are doing this thing where his traditional senses are are kind of take, not taken away from him but clouded. Mm. And then they also they explained the blip in this film, which uh, I think we had that question at the end of Endgame about what about all these characters from Spider Man? How are they all yeah. still in school? Because they all got blipped conveniently. <laughs> conveniently enough, yeah. And also, I mean, there was some like stuff where people reappeared right back where they left. It's like, okay, if you think about that for too long, it uh, it, it kind of falls apart. So try not to do that. They did have a very good gag though, where they were show- showing people disappearing in a basketball court. And then reappearing in a basketball court, and someone gets hit, gets hit in the face with a basketball, and like that's all I need. I don't need planes dropping out of the sky. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing. Yeah, you don't want to think about that stuff too much. No, you do not. Uh, this film made eight hundred and sixty-six million dollars. <laughs> so if you if you're like, oh, superhero fatigue after Endgame, nope. <laughs> Which actually I think makes it the third highest-grossing Spider-Man film. As obviously it's only it still has 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 leg uh, room to run. But I think the first Spider-Man film made around 880, and Spider-Man 3, the Sam Raimi one, made about 900 million. Do you know, people are like, oh, there's too many Spider-Man films. People hate Spider-Man films. All the Spider-Man films have made a collective $6 billion, Barry. 
yeah, I don't think anyone's sick of them. Um, and it's certainly not after this one. The momentum coming off of this one, there's not a chance the next one's any kind of bomb. So, mm. so we're moving into phase four. Comic Con is this weekend, and I'm pretty sure that's basically when we're going to get the reveal of, like, the the kind of timeline of the next batch of Marvel films. Because I don't think we we know some stuff. Like they're making a Thor four, they're making a Guardians three, they're making a Black Panther two, uh, they're making another Captain Marvel, I believe. And a Black Widow movie, but like none of those have been like set in stone with dates and a timeline. We don't, we know none of that yet. Yeah, they usually like to do their graphs, don't they? When when they're at the end of something big, they're like, "Here's here's what we're looking at," because um, they do that with Star Wars as well. They're like, "Here's the timeline." Uh, Interesting. Disney Disney have scheduled release dates on May first and November sixth, twenty twenty. February 12th, May 7th, November 5th, 2021, then February 18th, May 6th, and July 29th, 2022. So those are the dates of the films we don't know what they are. Yeah. So, and they could, I mean, then they could, I mean, they could be any number of Marvel things. They could also be some new stuff. I mean, that's still mm-hmm. the thing. People, people reminded the world. Remember when they announced an Inhumans film and then never made it? Yes. The release yeah. date was like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, was it? I didn't even notice that. The supposed Inhumans release date, so it could get stuff like that that's either announced and doesn't happen, or doesn't isn't announced and ends up happening. Didn't they? Um, didn't they do a horrible TV show that nobody liked? They did. They did, and then they they integrated into Agents of Shield as well, and it was pretty well done there. In fairness, okay. So yeah. there was also an Inhumans game on like PS2 era. I have no was, memory of this. Uh, that was horribly. It was a fighting game, I believe. Oh. I think it was horribly maligned, if I remember correctly. I don't know anything about about Inhumans at all, other than it has just it has not successfully permeated outside the uh, the comic book realm mm. uh, 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 so so far. Um, well, look, I mean, we've seen we've seen you know Disney's Marvel go out on a limb on some stuff. I mean, it's 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 crazy to think that like Guardians of the Galaxy is the massive cultural hit it is. Mm. Uh, like that was not just a successful movie; that was fucking that was gigantic. And I think I think part of what made the uh, the last two Avengers movies. Um, so successful is that Guardians way overachieved and uh, became like this standalone thing that was massively successful that was now crossing over with Avengers. Um, and that, and the, and these are you know obviously they had their fan bases, but these were not majorly known characters. Um, uh, you know, six years ago. And the same goes for Black Panther, really. Same goes for Black Panther, yeah. And like we said, that again, not just you know a success that was a gargantuan success. I mean, that mm-hmm. was so huge. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like. Yeah, how how deep are they going to go? I mean, I feel like they could literally reboot Howard the Duck at this point and get away with it. You know, um, I mean, they got that char- they've used that character, so stranger things have happened. So yeah, we'll be back eventually for a film that we we, we don't know. You'll as I said, we'll, we'll probably know by the end of the weekend. We'll probably know by the end of Comic Con. Do you want to take a guess? Uh, what what do you think is next? Just just in the immediate next film, not any kind of long term prediction. What do I think is it's not Guardians because we know that's not shooting. Thor feels a little while. I think I'm going to say Doctor Strange Two is next. I asked that question. I honestly didn't even have an answer prepared. <laughs> I, think, I think I think that's as solid a guess uh, as you could get. Uh, Doctor Strange Two because it's a minor enough character. You know, it's it's uh, it's a good way to kind of ease back into things. Um, I'm trying to think who else it could be. It's probably too soon. Is it too soon? If we're thinking May next, you know, we we would know if it was. Um, that that uh, Scarlett Johansson movie, I guess not. I honestly don't know. This is this is tough. 
Obviously, we had the announcement there yeah, earlier in the week that uh, Taiki Watiti is doing Thor 4, which is good, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's in the immediate future. And they delayed uh, Akira for him to do it, so... so it, yes, yeah. Which, to be honest, I mean, God bless him, he's a great director. I, that just seemed like the weirdest mix. I, I'm not... I'm not going crazy for that. I'll, I'll let them take their time with that movie. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Doctor Strange 2 is actually a pretty, uh, pretty solid uh, bet. Um, what, last Doctor so, yeah. Strange was 2016. Like, it could be Black Panther 2, but that was 2018 and, like, two years turnaround. It's not like two years turnaround isn't, like, uh, unheard of, but I think they usually like like a three-year gap between their biggins. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's the thing. That is going to be a huge one. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think Doctor Strange 2 is actually a really solid get, unless, unless there's some really quiet under the radar C tier character that they're hoping might be a little cheap uh hiss that might come out in the meantime. I feel like that's something I would kinda like to see as as this universe chugs on. Um I could do it some more fun smaller movies that don't necessarily tie into the broader universe. Um in the same way I realize it doesn't tie in because the universe is basically kaput, but like Shazam, that was a fun movie that was its own thing and it had very basic just kind of tokenistic ties into the rest of the universe uh, which as I said is kind of in disarray and it's not really a thing anymore but I'd like to see something left from Marvel scale back a little bit you're going to make a bajillion dollars anyway on, you know with, without you know get a bit weird with it but I feel like I've said that for, for most of this run but now that now that we're so thoroughly uh, you know deep in the universe and we've gotten so big with the scale I'd like to you know I'd like them to surprise me with a character I've never heard of in a, in a, in a, in a different type of movie although I'm not, I'm not uh, holding my breath for that necessarily do a Squirrel Girl film is what you're saying. That's the exact name that just entered my head as I <laughs> that sentence. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, you know. Um, and I think if you ever were to do that, I don't think people would want to see you say, okay, well, how can we kind of blow this up a little bit and make it a big action movie that people like? It's like, yeah, no, you know, you've got, you've got these weird characters, you've got these unique characters, you've got these characters that do not fit in the traditional mold of like an Avengers movie. You know, get, yeah, get, get experimental with it. Uh, but... Uh, but, you know, who might tell them how to make money? <laughs> Disney, they need help. Yeah, I think they're good. Uh, I'm thinking of the Marvel Ultimate Alliance roster. There's, like, uh, Elsa Bloodstone and Miss Marvel, both of whom I don't know much about. But, like, did they put them in the game as, like, to, to, to get you to think about who these characters are a little more before they blow them up into their own films? I, that's, I mean, that's very possible. It does feel like there is a directive with these other kind of... Uh, media franchises to to it's weird because we had that avenger video game reveal mm-hmm. uh at e3 which which was kind of tepidly received and it's this weird thing where it's not a movie licensed game but they quite obviously have a directive to stick to the movie roster and i feel like that's that was also a massive issue with marvel versus capcom infinite it's like oh you know you're not using the movie license but the cast you're allowed to use is thor captain america iron man spider-man gamora and Rocket, and you're not you're not going to get to use Wolverine, who's a pivotal character in this in all the previous entries of this franchise. So I do think you know um, there is a thing at the moment where Marvel's like you're you know even if you're not making a movie game, if you want to work with us, use these characters we want spotlighted for our movies. That's that's the directive currently. So I think you I think you might be onto something with that. So Elsa Bloodstone, that's the next Marvel. <laughs> Yeah, it's like sense. It's and you might trick people into thinking it ties into Frozen. So <laughs> exactly, and a Disney owned Frozen, so they can tie it into Frozen if they want. Yeah. Before we go, Barry, do you have anything to plug? 
Uh, just the usual, yeah, twitter.com slash thebarrylad. Uh, com is where I do various writings on various things. Uh, and also, if you want to hear more of me in the realm of podcasting, talking about some pro wrestling, you can listen to Journey Through Gorilla Island, where me and my pals are reviewing some old school PWG. If you just search Journey Through Gorilla Island in Google, you'll get our SoundCloud and our social media on there. That is the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm probably going to break out the Marvel episodes into its own separate feed as well as this one because we've just gotten so far it's it's now like between podcast a day podcast a week and the weekend show it's just impossible really to catch up on them without using SoundCloud so I'll probably break those out into their own feed over the next week so if you want to go back and listen to them or if you just listen to this one uh, look out for that I'll probably call it Marvel Retrospective or something like that MCU Retrospective we'll see follow me on Twitter at GarkadinGA or E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y thanks for listening and bye bye